You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside, outside, the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio. This is a very timely Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Joe Hopkins and Mike Chappell, I am Dave Griffiths. Lots to get to today. We're going to try to stick to our typical off-season rundown that Joe's put together as much as possible and get some pass rushers, but obviously and completely, we start today with the reported Colts trade to get rid of a third-round pick this year, a second-round pick next year that could and albeit likely will move up to a first-round pick next year to bring in quarterback Carson Wentz from the Philadelphia Eagles. Mike, we've talked about multiple options in multiple podcasts over the last couple weeks for the Colts, kind of like Philip Rivers was last year as the guy that Frank Reich had coached in the past and would have loved to brought in. This was the guy that a lot of people across the country, national writers, local writers were pointing to as the quote unquote obvious spot for Carson Wentz to go. And today it is quite apparent that Carson Wentz is going to be the Colts quarterback for 2021. And of course, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard would uh, hope for quite uh, quite a good bit beyond that as well. What was your reaction when uh, you saw the news and then when, of course, to confirm the news yourself today? A couple things. First of all, the, the difference between Carson Wentz and Philip Rivers is Philip Rivers was always going to be that short-term guy. Now you'd hope for more than one year. Carson Wentz is 28, and you know, and we've said uh, this is like the caveat: the Colts never would have done this, approached this, considered this, unless they truly believed that 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 Carson Wentz was fixable. That last year was something of an aberration, at least the the, the level of poor play. So, if you take these guys at face value and on trust and on faith. This is a good deal. You're, you're you're getting your quarterback, which again he could be the guy. If he's the guy, he's the guy for the next eight years. He really could be. Uh, and you're getting him on what I think they, he's he's got four years, 128 million left. But this is basically a two-year, 47 million dollar deal. And if he's your quarterback, if he's you know let's let's just say middle of the road, uh, 25 million a year. In 22 million next year is a is a steal, but by quarterback terms, and to make this right, you're not giving up your one this year, and and you're what you, it was a one and a three, so so you've got your 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 one and your two this year to address other things, and there are other things to address. So, again, primarily they believe this guy is, is the guy, so that that works. And you still got your top two draft picks this year, and like you said, yes, uh, if it works, you're giving up your first rounder next year, but that's still going to be a a very reasonable price for a starting quarterback in this league. Yeah, Joe, when you're looking at the compensation the Colts had to give up, I mean, at the start of this offseason, I thought the Eagles were going to get more for Carson Wentz, and they they didn't. Um, they probably because there wasn't quite as much interest as they thought there would be. Um, but but you look at it, and it's a three this year and a first next year. That that seems to be, if you want to go out and get a quarterback, I don't know if you could give up much less for a guy who has proven in the past, albeit last year was bad. I'm not, I'm not glossing over that. But to look at a guy who in the past had an MVP caliber season before an injury, who over um, three years of his career, starting with that MVP year, 
had very good numbers. People will overlook the next two seasons after that just because they're taken prisoner of the moment because of what Wentz did last year. But over those three years, he had very solid numbers, averaging out to a full season. Um, you, you trade away a third-round pick and a first-round pick for a guy who could be a franchise quarterback. You, you, I don't think, even if it goes sour, you can really blame Frank Reich and Chris Ballard for this deal because that that is the going rate, if not less than the going rate, as we have seen with a guy like Matthew Stafford's deal earlier this, uh, this uh, offseason. I 100% agree with you. And even aside from Matthew Stafford, if the Colts were to try and trade up and get a quarterback in this draft, it would take a lot more than their first rounder next year and a third rounder this year. So this is even cheaper than what it would take to get into the top 10, maybe even the top five if you have to, to get one of the premier rookies in this draft. So when you consider what Carson Wentz has shown he can be in the past with Frank Wright, the current coach, it just makes a lot of sense for the Colts. It's not a move that is without risk. Obviously, there's risk. If Wentz continues to play like he did in 2020, this trade will be looked at as a disaster. But overall, I believe the compensation both in the contract, it's not a lot of money. I think it was actually, he has four years, about $98 million left on the cap. Uh, cap hits around $25 million over the next four years. So that's about what you're going to pay a starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, and you know what? In a couple years or two, if he regains that MVP level status, this could be a bargain deal for the Colts. So I think this is really a trade that has a lot of upside for Indianapolis. And if it doesn't work out, they're not really in that much of a worse position than they were currently. Right, and as Mike already alluded to earlier as well, even though there are four years left on Carson Wentz's current deal, it's essentially a two-year contract for the Colts. So Carson is only guaranteed salary over the next two years. He's guaranteed. Uh, he has a $10 million roster bonus due um, on the third day, I believe it is, of the new year this year. And then his $15 million salary is guaranteed. He has $15 million of salary guaranteed next year as well. And then after that, there is no more guaranteed money in his contract. So if, if this is a disaster again, after this year or next year, you can cut Carson Wentz and move on. It's not like you're going to be hamstrung for four years because of this contract. People pointed to Carson Wentz's contract, and, and even I did, saying that it would be very unlikely for him to be traded for, at least traded for, for small potatoes. Um, but uh, the, the problem in trading him was not for the team that is acquiring his deal. It's for the team, the Eagles, who are trading away his deal. And what the Eagles have done here, Mike, is they have traded away a guy who they thought they was their franchise quarterback, a guy who they extended early they thought he was their franchise quarterback, a guy who is now going to cost them $33-plus dollars as a dead cap hit this year in a cap year that is going to need a lot of wiggle room from a lot of teams, including the Eagles, to get under it because of the pandemic that we went through this year and revenue being down across the league and the salary cap going down as well. It is going to be the largest dead cap hit in NFL history. So, so the Eagles here, the fact that they would give up Carson Wentz for a first and a third round pick to me, I mean, it says that there, there was not a whole lot of interest around the league in acquiring Carson Wentz. Yes, there was some, and that's why obviously the Colts needed to give up that first round pick, albeit in the future, but he was not this widely sought after guy this year. Um, for for whatever reason it might have been, the Colts had to give them what they had to. But 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 like I said, this is not a this is not a excuse me. This is not a um, what's it called a contract that 
if you if you get a quarterback in the NFL, you're going to have to pay him this. Uh, it seems it's like it's a 25 million that Rivers took last year. It's 25 million that Carson takes this year. Um, it, it's not a bad contract, Mike, for the Colts to take on. No, and it, it just, and, and to show you that, I, I guess how the Eagles were ready to move on. I've seen reports out of Philly is that they're looking to take a quarterback in the top ten this year, even after taking Jalen Hurts in what the second round last year. So, so it really tells you how done they were with Carson Wentz. And also, it's funny, you go back and listen about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, how this deal was imminent. They were going to get Matthew Stafford compensation, two firsts and a second and a player and all this. And that just shows you how much smoke was coming out of Philly. Yep. Which is normally, that that's how it works. But but you could only drive up the the, mar- the market value if you have multiple teams involved and it's funny I've seen th- I've seen things today on on Twitter on social media where it said Chicago really never offered anything, anything you know in, in reality it was always m- maybe in conjectures so maybe the Colts were the only team that showed an interest to the point where this is what we'll give you and the Eagles had to be convinced that this is the best they were going to get and, and again like like this is this is what will be going forward if the Colts are right this is a great move. It just is. And if it's not, it sets you back a little bit and you reload in two years. But until and, and until they get the quarterback situation fixed, this is where they are. They're in this year-to-year deal. So if, if Frank Reich, and again, I, I'll beat this to death, they wouldn't have done this unless they are convinced, not 70% convinced, but 100% convinced that this guy can play at a at a playoff slash Super Bowl level, and if that's the case, this is a great deal. So, so let's take a look at at why Frank Reich and Chris Ballard might be convinced that Carson Wentz can play at that level. Obviously, you look back to 2017 and his MVP caliber year, where he tore his ACL at the end of the year. The Eagles go on to win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. That year, what was it was an incredible season, and if you put that year together with the next two years. Like I said earlier, people forget the next two years were not that bad just because of what happened this past year. But take 2017 through 2019 when Carson Wentz played 40 games. He had a couple injuries at the end of 2018. There was a concussion issue. I think there was a back issue as well. But over those three years, those 40 games, Carson Wentz passed for more than 10,000 yards and 81 touchdowns to only 21 interceptions. That's a 4-1 to touchdown-to-interception ratio there. And he completed 64% of his passes. If you average that out over a 16-game season, that would be 4,100 passing yards. It would be 32 touchdowns and eight interceptions. That's a pretty good year. I don't know exactly what Phillip Rivers' numbers were this year, but I know about 4,100 yards is, I think, around what he did. Uh, I don't know it off the top of my head. And, um, Joe, if you could look that up, I'd appreciate it while I keep going. Um, yep, on it. Yeah, thanks. And so, but in 2020, again, you come, it, it always comes back to this year to what just happened. And that's why Carson Wentz didn't go for a Matthew Stafford Hall. It's why Carson Wentz would not go for a whatever Deshaun Watson Hall is is going to be for, for the Texans, if indeed Deshaun Watson ends up being traded. Because right now, on the field, Carson Wentz is... Uh, there, there are questions. But like you said, Mike, it's not going to be questions that are concerning to Chris Ballard and Frank Reich right now. Even if there was a bad year, to, to give up two picks and Chris Ballard always says I love them picks 
and especially a first-round pick, they have confidence that this last year was not the quarterback Carson Wentz is. Obviously, that's not a sentiment that was shared across the league because there would have been more interest in Carson Wentz. So there is a little bit of a sense that Chris Ballard and Frank Reich are going off on a limb here uh, because they were the one team, the one team that was most interested in Carson Wentz. And that can go to Frank Reich's history with him. That can go to... uh, I would strongly bet that Carson Wentz wanted to be in Indianapolis with Frank Reich because of his familiarity with him after going through a year where he felt scorned by Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. He would want to be at a place where there's some familiarity. And he has that with Reich. He has that with Mike Groh. He has that with Parks Frazier, who, uh, uh, sorry, um, who, who are all on um, Press Taylor. Uh, yeah, sorry, Press Taylor. Yeah, I, I knew that wasn't right. Uh, Press Taylor, who uh, were, were all on staff in Philadelphia. And so so Carson is coming to a place where he has had success with people who are here during those three years that I mentioned. And, I mean, he's looking to put that this one season behind him. Obviously, he's looking to put that one season behind him. Um, he, he was sacked a league high 50 times. He had no offensive line in front of him. And, by the way, we saw in the Super Bowl that the world's greatest quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, couldn't do all that much when he didn't have an offensive line in front of him. Patrick was also slightly injured. I'll give him that. But also, Patrick had some of the world's best um, perimeter threats with him as well. You have Travis Kelsey. You have Tyreek Hill. Who did the Eagles have? They had no offensive line in front of Carson Wentz, and his leading receiver was an undrafted rookie out of Old Dominion. All respect to Zach Paschal and Old Dominion. But obviously he had a bad year. He had a bad team around him on the offensive side of the ball. He had a bad offensive line in front of him. He had bad receivers on the outside. So obviously his numbers were going to go down. You look at those numbers and they're bad. They're dreadful. And I'm not saying Carson deserves no blame for those. Not at all. But you look at that and you especially put it in the context of what Mahomes was able to do in the Super Bowl or what he was not able to do in the Super Bowl more specifically, and you understand those numbers. You know why he had bad numbers, because there was a bad offensive team around him in Philadelphia. Now, yes, you, raise, you, you want your quarterback to raise the level of play of everybody, and I totally get that. And, hey, he raised the level of play, like I said, of an undrafted rookie out of Old Dominion to being a leading receiver, for crying out loud. So I, 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 I'm not saying that Carson Wentz has no work to do. I'm not saying there are, there are not flaws in his game, because there are. Over his time in the NFL, he has 58 fumbles, which is the most out of any player in the league since he entered the league in 2016. That can't happen. But at the end of the day, like I, I think that there, there was no better option for the Colts. If you're going to keep drafting at the bottom of the first round, which is what you think you're going to do with the roster that you have there, even with a decent quarterback, you're going to keep going to the playoffs, you think. like If you, if you want to get a franchise quarterback, they don't just fall out of the sky. At the end of the first round, those are the exceptions. Those are not the rules. It's not often that you get a Lamar Jackson, an NFL MVP candidate at the end of the first round. It's not often that you get a Russell Wilson, an MVP in the third round of the NFL draft. That does not happen often. So the Colts needed to make a move. They needed to make a push. They needed to get somebody. And with the familiarity that Frank Reich and his staff had with Carson Wentz, this one just made sense. One thing, Joe, one what thing, was that? Yeah, go one, ahead. One, go ahead, Mike. One, one thing to mention on Wentz and last year, 
and the 50 sacks, they had uh, 14 different starting offensive line combinations. Remember when that that was the norm? Andrew uh, Luck would an, call that the an, norm. With yeah. Andrew Luck. And you just can't. I, mean, I realize the Colts have got four-fifths of their line in, in place. They need the left tackle, which is a, an, another topic. But like, like you said, and you just can't pound it home strong enough, but when the quarterback has no time, I don't care if you're Mahomes or whomever, you can't operate the offense. So at, at the very least, he's coming here. Hopefully, with it, they'll get the left tackle side. You're gonna have a, you're gonna have a strong offensive line. You've got a decent wide receiver group that needs to be, but you need another spot a wide receiver. You've got a top ten running attack, and you got a top defense. So they're not they're not going to be asking Carson Wentz to come in and be the guy. Now they need him to do I think more maybe than Philip Rivers did. Maybe pushing the ball down the field, maybe a little bit more. Although, like we've talked, what they got out of Philip Rivers and in in, in joke and give us the numbers was more than they expected. So, again, I go back. They, they you have to simply put your trust in Ballard and Reich, who were right, and they were criticized for Philip Rivers a year yep. ago. Yep. Uh, so you just have to say until it doesn't work, you give these guys the benefit of the doubt until it blows up on them. Joe, can you give me those numbers I asked for like ten minutes ago? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rivers, 4,100 passing yards, 24 passing touchdowns, 11 interceptions in 2020. So looking at the Wentz's, yardage number, yes, it was very similar. Yeah. Very similar yardage, eight less passing touchdowns, and three more interceptions than what Carson Wentz averaged um, over a 16 game span from years 2017 to 2019. Um, you guys hit all the points. And the other thing about you know, to remember with the Eagles, they were missing their top running back, Miles Sanders, for the first several games of this year as well. So it's not like he had a real great running game to rely on. They lost all pro guard Brooks. They lost their uh, first round pick left tackle and their right tackle Lane Johnson, who's a pro bowler, missed most of the season. When he did play, he was injured. So everything around Carson Wentz did not you know, added into his failures this year. So another thing I want to ask you guys is, you know, we've been kind of comparing these quarterbacks this offseason. Who do you believe has a higher upside, Carson Wentz or Derek Carr? Carson Wentz. And I say that immediately. Immediately. I think Maybe a lower floor as well, but also the higher ceiling. So if you're talking about going all the way to a Super Bowl – there are a few quarterbacks who have a higher ceiling than Carson Wentz to get you over that hump. Obviously, he has to put in the work to get there and not repeat a 2020 season, but it's hard to find a quarterback with more uh, upside that you can actually acquire this offseason than Wentz. One thing real quick, Dave, too, that you mentioned is if not Carson Wentz, who? I mean, yep. th- again, I- I'd like to know maybe in a quiet moment of Chris Ballard if you'd say, would you rather have Matthew Stafford or Carson Wentz? Well, I wouldn't want to give up what you know, or what the Rams gave up to get uh, to get Matthew Stafford. But l- let's just say that Carson Wentz doesn't. If this doesn't happen, then what? Yep. Then where do you go? Is it, then is it Sam Darnold? It, you, you just continually go down and down and down. Okay, Sam Darnold, Marcus Mariota, Ryan Fitzpatrick. It was it, it was simply unrealistic to expect the Colts, who are at 21, to move up into the top eight, probably seven, to get one of the top three or four quarterbacks, and that, top five. 
And to, to think you can get a quarterback, unless it's the kid from Alabama, which, you know, who knows how they believe it. But the fact that they pulled the, the trigger on this, I go back to, to when we talked to Jim Ursay, and he said, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of nice sometimes to draft that guy. But he kept pointing on he wants veteran leadership, veteran experience, veteran understanding. He knows that this roster, it's got some holes to do. Yes, it does. But this roster is ready to win, by and large, ready to win. He doesn't want to bring in a quarterback through the draft that you've got to, well, you know, in two years and three years, he'll be ready to go. He wants a guy, the plug-and-play guy. If it's not Phillip Rivers, he wants a Carson Wentz-type guy. And this, to me, this is not a – they're pushing all their chips in the table for this year. I don't, I don't get that impression like it was several years ago with all those free agents. They just believe that – that unless you get the quarter, the right quarterback in here, that that all else is not possible. So at least this guy, if it works, gives him a chance to do something special. I'll add one more. Go go ahead, Joe, and I'll I'll add my thought afterward. Okay, I just wanted to say it's a small thought, but it's something that I haven't seen a lot of people bring up yet. Carson Wentz brings a hell of a whole lot more mobility to the position than Philip Rivers gave you last year. And obviously the Colts, now that he's with the Colts, don't want him to run too much and get injured like he did a few years ago. But even just the small things, I think of the play against Buffalo with Michael Pittman Jr. in the end zone. Phillip Rivers has the blitz. He has to get rid of it sooner than he wants. Maybe if he's a little bit more athletic, he can buy a little bit more time to deliver a more accurate pass to Michael Pittman Jr., and that's a touchdown, and that makes all the difference in the ballgame. The small things, a little half-second extra time you can buy to hit your receiver down the field comes up big. I mean, you saw the crazy stuff Mahomes was doing in the Super Bowl, buying extra time when your offensive line can't provide for provide that time for you. So I think that's a big thing that's going to come up big for the Colts this season is Carson Wentz's mobility compared to what Rivers was able to provide. My last point will be about running because I'll go back to 2017 again. In 2017, when Carson Wentz had his best year, the Eagles had the third best running attack in the NFL. That's why. Helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a big, <laughs> big reason that Carson Wentz had a good year. That was the uh, Jay Ajay. That was LeGarrette Blunt. Um, and then, of course, Carson as well. Uh, they did a lot of read option stuff that year. Um, and, and that was, like, it, you look at what, what the Colts are built to do, and it, it's, it's obvious that, that the running game is important in Indianapolis. So I, I, like, I don't think the Colts have done any, could, could have done any better this offseason than to get Carson Wentz. I don't. And, uh, and so, so there you, you have it. Yeah, you go know, ahead. Again, the option he brings, and Joe, Joe said he brings more mobility than Phillip Rivers. Well, anybody would have brought more, more mobility than Philip yeah. Rivers. <laughs> I would have brought Drastically more. Eight, 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 <laughs> last year, 18 carries for a minus eight yards with a long of three. And most Is of those bad? Were, <laughs> He looked pretty good on the needle downs. Yeah. But, but it, what the, what a what a mobile quarterback gives you is every play doesn't have to be perfect, and with Philip Rivers, if if whatever pass play and three reads weren't there, the play was over. Well, a, a quarterback who can get outside, who can buy time, and maybe rush five times for twenty five yards or whatever uh, by design, 
he 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 just opens up the playbook more. And and that's not meant to bash Philip Rivers. I mean, Rivers is who he is. He was ne- at his best. He was never a mobile quarterback, but this just does open up the playbook more, uh, even more so than Jacoby Brissett, because Brissett, I've always said, I, I've never seen a guy who looks fast who is so slow. It's crazy. Uh, but, but again, I think Wentz, again, this is, uh, we may be sitting here in October saying, boy, this Wentz thing was really a bad trade. It didn't work. The guy can't play. I don't think that's the case. But, again, if this works, he just opens up your playbook offensively. Well, in the last thing I'll say, I don't think we spent a ton of time talking about it. If it doesn't work out, that first rounder next year is a second-round pick. Correct. I think he has to play above 75% of the snaps for it to become a first-rounder or 70% and the Colts make the playoffs for it to go from a second-round pick to a first-round pick. So, um, so the Colts will go 10-0 and then bench rinse for the rest of the there regular season. Perfect. So that they don't have to give up that first round pick next year. It'll be a second rounder. But even if it doesn't work out, Ballard was smart enough to kind of hedge his bets so that if something happens to Wentz this year, he's not giving up a second round pick next year. So I think all in all, it's a great trade for the Colts. But, but, that but, seems but, more but like an it, injury it, thing to me. Go ahead. Correct. But if it does work, then you're you're eleven and five ish or so, twelve and four. Again, that's top end at best. Yeah. And, and you're and that first round pick next year is going to be. 24, 25, 26. So that's it, – it's not like you, you you might give them, you know, a top, top five pick. pick. Correct. Yeah. So, again, everything on paper and, and without knowing how this is going to work out, everything right now favors the Colts not giving up a bunch and might hitting, hitting the jackpot on a, on, a, on a 28-year-old quarterback. Now, we usually start with news around the league here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast, but when the Colts are the news around the league, then – Obviously, that takes a little bit of precedence. So um, you can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for plenty more uh, on uh, the Carson Wentz deal. You can log on to Fox59.com, CBS4Indy.com, see what uh, Mike has posted, see what we've got up there with, uh, with content there already. But, uh, but let us take a look around the league before we really do dive uh, more into um, some free agent options, uh, specifically at, excuse me, um, at uh, pass rusher, which is what we had on tap to, to discuss for today. Obviously, that discussion will be uh, slightly muted with uh, how much we've uh, talked about when so far. But um, we, we'll start with uh, the worst news in the league this week, and that is how former Pro Bowl wide receiver Vincent Jackson was found dead on Monday in a Florida hotel room. Um, Jackson, uh, the local sheriff down there, said that he might have been suffering from a combination of CTE and chronic alcoholism. Um, Colts wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. was on Twitter expressing his condolences, saying, R.I.P. legend, I used to watch your highlights before every game in high school. And Pittman, of course, his father, uh, Michael Pittman Sr., was running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And um, at at a point in his career, um, Vincent Jackson played for the Buccaneers as well um, and and also played with Phillip Rivers uh, when they were both in San Diego with the Chargers together. But uh, just a a horrible week in, in that sense for for a player who was who was a great wide receiver, Mike in his prime, and uh, one of Phil Rivers' first targets that really uh, he he got into the NFL with him, and really they they grew together. Though you couldn't say one without the other for the first um, for the first five to ten years of Philip Rivers' career, because he would always like he would chuck it downfield. There would Vincent Jackson be down there, um, the 50, 60, 70 yard gains, and he was a big play, a big threat guy, but uh, unfortunately found dead today. 
or this this week, excuse me. Yeah, it's one thing that uh, it, it's sort of uh, it's too bad it takes something like this to personalize these players because what you normally see are guy in pads and helmets and cleats and running around and getting hit and picking up and catching and tackling. And we just don't know what players deal with on a daily basis, the demons they have, the CTE maybe, or alcohol, who knows. But uh, and, and being around the NFL and being around structured environments helps. It just helps. I, I can't tell how many times I've talked with some GMs and the times that they hate are the times that players are on their own, away from the structure. So uh, you just don't know what these guys go through. There are former Colts I know that have had issues, uh, emotional issues and all this. And you just – there. What, what you want to stress, and the NFLPA does all the time, is there are avenues of help. There just are. And players have to have the courage – to reach out and say, hey, man, I need some help. I can't do this on my own, and I think a bunch of them do. Uh, you just feel – your heart goes out for Vincent Jackson at age 38. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't want to add too much more to that discussion. Just um, – it's, it's, it's a sad, sad thing that happened this week. So, um, also, more news in the AFC South. The uh, Houston Texans have released – Defensive end J.J. Watt, 101 sacks in his 10 seasons with Houston. Seems like 100 of them were against the Colts, or at least all of his forced fumbles. Um, Browns beat writer Mary Kay Cabot reports that Watt is seriously considering the Browns as one of his options. That's certainly possible. He's a Wisconsin kid. He went to the University of Wisconsin. You can't put the Packers out of there. Um, if he stays in the South, you know the Titans. Hey, the Colts. Eh? Eh, we'll hear about eh? that. Eh? Maybe a little bit later in the show when we're discussing pass rushers. But, um, Joe, uh, there are a few happier people. Uh, if if the Colts hadn't gotten Carson Wentz today, uh, I'm sure that the, uh, the backflips and the high fives in the offices would have been about J.J. Watt being out of Houston. Yeah, out of Houston. Hopefully he doesn't go to the Titans and stay in there. Right, then it would be horrible. Yeah, right? I know, the Mike Vrabel connection there. But um, great player for a long time, did things the right way. And this is a guy who we can talk about it more in a minute, but I think would fit in perfectly on this Colts defense, kind of filling that Danico Autry role uh, at that left defensive end spot. Could you imagine J.J. Watt and DeForest Buckner trying to block both of those two guys? Good luck. Um, But a guy who... Out of Houston, and Houston only has one more of their stars left, and that's Deshaun Watson, and we'll see what happens to him. So Houston going into a full-on rebuild mode. Yeah, Mike, this uh, this Houston Texans team is going to look very different than it has in the past uh, five years, ten years, heck, w- w- without Watt there. he was He's always the guy, we've said many times, that you have to point him out before the snap, and uh, that'll be one less thing for the Colts offense to worry about. It's amazing. Even when they knew he was the guy, he was still the guy that was a pain in the butt mm-hmm. uh, with with the, the forced fumbles, tip balls, sacks. I'm not so sure that Andrew Luck still is one of his most sacked quarterbacks. Uh, but th- it's really sad to see guys leave like that. But how many players have the chance to start and finish your career with the same team? I mean, it's you know, if Tom Brady and Peyton Manning can't do it, then we shouldn't be surprised with J.J. Watt. But is he the most influential player 
in Texans history, is it? Yeah, I assume. I'm not whether it's he or yeah, he, he's ahead of Andre Johnson. I was going to say Andre Johnson might, yeah, but uh, probably J. I would say J.J. Watt's three, three-time him, yeah. defensive player of the year and all that. Yeah, definitely. And the, you know, if Joe wants to argue that he would fit in here, he, he probably would. But I don't see Chris Ballard paying eighteen million dollars a year for J.J. Watt. I just and somebody's going to pay J.J. Watt. Uh, your next your next thing on here is how the salary cap's going to be. What about one hundred eighty million dollars? Is it? Right, that's the the new thing that this week the NFL and NFLPA have had some talks, and the floor for the salary cap moved up from 175 to 180. So teams know next year's cap will be at least 180 million. Well, so what that's going to do, I I guess it's my way of saying that this is not a great year to be a free agent, a a high-profile free agent, any position, because those massive contracts are just not going to be out there. Like there'll there'll be a handful of them, but when we get to the Colts guys who most will be allowed to test the market to see what's out there. And then they'll have the opportunity to come back here. I just think there's going to be a bunch of players who are going to be sadly disappointed over what's not out there. Because, you know, who is it? The Saints are like $90 million over the cap? It's ludicrous. I mean, that's how do you – it's going to take a lot just to get to, to be in camp compliance. So, uh, fortunately, the Colts are $65, $70 million under the cap, so they – They've got well with Wentz. It's going to take up about a. Th- it's about forty-five with Wentz. Right, uh, that still gives you that gives you it gives you some resources, but this isn't a great year to be a free agent looking to make that one big payday. The next big thing on the NFL calendar, even before um, free agency, which is when this Carson Wentz deal will be able to become official, um, when the new year new league year begins, um, on March seventeenth is the franchise tag window. Now, that opens on February 23rd. It ends on March 9th. Uh, Mike, I don't know off the top of my head, when was the last time a Colt got franchise tag? Do you know? Oh, you should have told me you were asking that. Yes. I'm sorry. No, I just it's not it's uh, not anything that pops right into my head. Back, I think I know. Back in the day, Adrian James, but there's somebody more recently. Uh, Pat Ma- I think it was Pat McAfee. I was going to say Pat McAfee. But then did they get a contract okay. done? Or did he play under the franchise tag? I don't remember. Normally, you franchise a guy, and then you get a, a long-term deal done. Right. That's what I think you that might have been what happened. Okay. Yeah, you just franchise him so no one else can can just swoop him from you, and then yeah, work to a work to a deal. So, um, so here are the Colts, uh, who are at least most likely, and I use that. I think I use that word pretty loosely. Most likely to be tagged, um, or at least their best free agents. They would be. Wide receiver T.Y. Hilton, defensive lineman Justin Houston, Danico Autry, quarterback Jacoby Brissett, cornerback Xavier Rhodes, safety Malik Hooker, running back Marlon Mack, linebacker Anthony Walker. Um, any chance, Mike, we see any of those guys get franchise tagged? Is the are are the Colts going to just forego their um, their right to use that uh, ability this year? I, w- I would say I wouldn't say no chance. I'd say very, very, very little chance. The only one that you could argue is Xavier Rhodes, but that's I, I, I wish I had, had the franchise tag numbers up here, at least what they were last year. But they're not. They're I not, got him a pro- projected a franchise tag for a cornerback this year per over the cap is fifteen million dollars. Not a, not a chance. There's a better chance you lining, lining up a corner, Joe, than. <laughs> I, I, I bet they're going to want to try to get Rhodes back here for nine or ten million. I, I don't. I don't know. He see. He's one of those 
that I think he's going to really think he can get more on the open market than from the Colts. You know, the Colts have an interest in re-signing T.Y. Hilton and Justin Houston and Xavier Rhodes and, oh, maybe Danico. I don't know. But but I, I, I just don't think these guys are going to get what's, what they want to get out of the open market. So maybe there's a, there's a chance uh, that you can get these guys back here at your price. And, and that's to, to, to tie back into the Wentz thing, what was very clear from the start is that Chris Ballard and, his, and Frank and everybody else said, this is what we're willing to pay in trade for Carson Wentz. And that's what they've done with just about all their personnel guys, their own and, and free agents. They, they put a value on the player. And there may be one once or, or two situations where they, they've, they've sort of beefed up their offer. But generally, it's like, I don't say take it or leave it, but this is my offer. And, and they didn't sweeten the pot or whatever on Wentz. So I, I don't think they're going to go crazy on trying to re-sign T.Y., who they really want back, or Xavier Rhodes, who they really want back. It's going to be, hey, guys, you know, if you can get more out there, you know, knock yourself out. But, but this is what we're offering you. I've always thought, again, uh, my, my, my background comes from the Bill Polians and even Ryan Grigson, and it's always been a case of if these guys hit the market, they very seldom return to the team. Just because, uh, but in this case, Chris Ballard has taken more of an approach. Of, hey, if you can get more, God love you. But this is what we want. And, and now, whether they offer these guys something before the opening of free agency, I don't know. But I've gotten the impression they're going to sort of let these guys see what they got is what's out there, and maybe come back and say, "Hey, uh, Chris, this is what I got. Can you match or whatever?" But the, they're not going to overpay to retain talent. They're just not going to do it. Joe, I assume you're of the same thought as Mike and, and myself that the franchise tag is probably not going to be used this year from the Colts. Yeah, just looking at the numbers, it doesn't make sense. I mean, T.Y. Hilton, if they were to franchise him, it would cost roughly $16 million this year. They could probably re-sign him for less money per year than that. Three years, $30 million for T.Y. Hilton. That's probably what he's going to get. Yeah. yeah, and maybe the it's really a two-year deal and there's no guarantee on that third year, something like that. Um, defensive end, $17 million. They're not giving Justin Houston $17 million this year. I, it's just not going to happen, and he's not going to be able to find that on the open market. So I think this is going to be another year where the Colts do not use their franchise tag uh, function. Yeah. Uh, that would be highly unlikely. We all agree. Um, some more rumors around the league. Sports Illustrated is reporting that the Eagles have talked to the Seahawks and the Colts about trading tight end Zach Ertz. So, hey, you, you got one deal done with Philly. Maybe you can get another one done. Ertz has one year, $8.25 million left on his contract. Uh, Zach didn't have the best year last year. Um, also, Carson didn't have the best year last year. But uh, before that, um, was in that same breath as... Um, as Travis Kelsey and as George Kittle is really the top three tight ends in the league. Um, they showed Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz have had a uh, rapport together for sure. Um, I, I would say, I don't, I don't know how likely it is now that the Colts have one deal already done with the Eagles that they would, they would do another, but, uh, but we'll see. Um, we, we heard Jim Irsay talking about uh, the need for more offensive playmakers this off season. So it's, it's not, I wouldn't put it out of the question that the Eagles are, I mean, the, that the Colts would be interested in Ertz. But again, I think the Eagles' uh, asking price might be a little bit too high, and uh, I, I doubt that um, I doubt that 
they would get. Well, what what do the Colts have now? They have they're they're not going to get a first or a second round pick from from the Colts for Ertz. They would have to go back down to the fourth round pick if you start this year because the third is gone. So uh, that that's that's maybe maybe, yeah, maybe, the, go ahead. maybe the Eagles uh, release Zach Ertz. Yeah, that's that's entirely possible. That's the thing right now because they still need to do some work, I believe, to get under that cap number. Um, so so he could be gone. You could be able to just sign him and not give up anything. Um, or if you if you're uh, Chris Ballard and you want to get a jump on him, don't let him go anywhere else. Maybe you offer a sixth or a seventh round pick for him, and the Eagles get something in return, getting the eight point two five million dollars off their books. So that that's not out of the picture too. So something to keep your eye on. Um, ESPN's Dan Graziano was reported that the Broncos are likely to decline Von Miller's $18 million team option for this coming year, which would make him an unrestricted free agent. And I know Joe would love to see Von Miller suiting up alongside J.J. Watt and alongside DeForest Buckner <laughs> on the Colts defensive line. Am I right? <laughs> Who wouldn't? I, I, I think the rest of the AFC South might as well pack it in by then. If Deshaun Watson is still with the Texans, just, he might refuse to start those games. Just give the Colts the Lombardi. The yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, just give it to him then. Um, but now this is something to keep an eye on because, in my opinion, if uh, Von Miller becomes a free agent, he might make even more sense if the Colts want to add somebody than J.J. Watt. Uh, because he brings more of that speed element. But this is a guy I believe the Colts should be very interested in, depending on what he would cost if he becomes available. Mike, we saw what speed does on this uh, this horseshoe turf um, for years with uh, Dwight Freeney out of Syracuse University and also Robert Mathis coming off the edge. So s- speed rushers, we, we'll, we can't ever have enough of them, am I right? No question. And I, I really think that's where we're going to find the edge pass rusher this year, not in the draft necessarily. But it'll, it'll be that veteran guy. Unfortunately, when you miss on guys in the draft, Terrell Basham and so far Kamoko Ture and Ben Banigou, you, you 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 find yourself trying to patch it up with a Justin Houston every two years. It's not ideal at all, but I would rather, I guess, maybe have a proven commodity that if this guy, what is Von Miller? Is he, is he 30? I, 32 he, in March. That when Justin Houston is 32, 33. So, I think they're the same age, yeah. So I, I'd take that. I, I'd rather have the known commodity if the price is right, which is always, you know, the overriding factor. It, it's why I'd rather have DeForest Buckner than the 13th pick in the draft last year. I just would. So so I, I, I do think that they're sort of stuck in this cycle of having to find that edge pass rusher as a veteran free agent as opposed to the draft because – I, I think this year's first-round pick probably now needs to go towards the left tackle. And where do you find your edge pass rusher? Probably in free agency. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. And I, and I think, Joe, it, it's hard to argue that, that you're going to go either free agency or first-round pick, edge pass rusher or left tackle. That That's at least – that would make sense. And, of course, it always depends on who is available there at the end of the first round. But – I think if if you go one way or the other, if you get one of those two positions in free agency, you can really eye the other one uh, in the draft. And you've put together a really good list of some of these defensive ends, these uh, these edge pass rushers that are slated to become free agents. Uh, so so let's let's start with the top of the list, I guess. Uh, Von Miller and J.J. Watt. We've already discussed those two guys. Um, Watt 
uh, was a uh, was pro football focus his top graded free agent edge rusher was uh, given a grade of 85 on the past year he didn't have the same sack numbers that he's had in the years past I mean he's had 20 plus sacks of, of course in years past but um, he still had a good number of tackles for lost he was in the backfield a, a good bit it seemed like just looking at his numbers so you, you look at Sack numbers are certainly important, but you also have to look at those tackle for loss numbers. And I think uh, Joe, J.J. Watt still had a pretty good year last year, so he's obviously going to get a, a hefty contract wherever he goes. And even as Mike said earlier, this might be a tough year for free agents. I don't know if it's going to be a tough year for guys like a J.J. Watt, like the pinnacle of the pinnacle of free agents. Those guys, I'd imagine, are still going to get paid pretty well. It's everyone behind them that might have more trouble, I would think, Joe, in getting exactly what they would like out of free agency. Yeah, I think Watt and Von Miller as well, if he does indeed become a free agent, are both kind of in a similar situation. They'll both be about 32, very productive players who can still provide pass rush, um, but they're going to be pricey. They're going to cost, Mike said, about $18 million, maybe on the lowest end, $15 million, somewhere in there if a player wants to maybe sacrifice some money to go to a good team and try and win a Super Bowl. Um, J.J. Watt has not. Von Miller did have one with Peyton Manning and the Broncos. But both these guys kind of seem like a two- to three-year deals, front-loaded money, um, around 15 to $20 million, somewhere in there per year, and you just really make a run for it. Kind of like the Justin Houston contract a couple years ago, but more beefed up. There are a lot of guys, Mike, that Joe has listed here that are like late 20s, guys who, are, who have had really good years in their past uh, rushing the quarterback who um who could who could become free who will be free agents but um you look at also look at these guys and michael you also have to realize that other teams like especially those teams that have had them in the past like it's hard to let edge rushers go you look at all these names and we you, you might have eyes wide and you're licking your lips you're licking your chops if a colts fan there's all these opportunities well they, there's a lot of other teams that are interested as well and these teams that have them i think for the most part like an idea like uh, Tampa Bay Shaquille Baird. I, I remember talking about him, I think, two years ago on the, or a year and a half ago. Like It was just last yeah, year on this podcast did. because because I think he just got a one-year deal last year. And um, and he still he, – because he had 19 and a half sacks back in 2019. Um, and then he, he had another good year this past year with Tampa Bay. So, like, th- those teams know their value, Mike. So you can't just go out and say, oh, it's our pick of the litter. Who are we going to get? This guy, that guy. Take your choice, Chris Ballard, because there's a lot of other teams in contention for this, too. Well, and you, and you still don't know what, what the market's going to be because right. m- maybe Von Miller's not out there. Uh, does, does Tampa hang on to, to, to Barrett? Is it Matthew? I, I've not got Joe's list in front of me. My printer <laughs> stopped on me, but – Matt, Matt oh, Judon, no. Matt Judon of Baltimore, uh, Melvin Ingram of the Chargers, Bud Dupree, who I think is coming off an injury, uh, Yannick Ngakwe. So th- there are people Yannick out there. Ngakwe. And, and I tell you, he's a <laughs> pretty good player. Yeah. Uh, so, so again, I, I think that's the route they go. Is it one of those? Will it be one of those uh, a second-tier player, maybe a notch above what they've got with Danico Autry, who was – Sort of a not sort of he was a rotational player with the Raiders, and he came here and gave him three outstanding years, more than worth the investment. So I, it's funny I I don't trust these guys to this point finding an edge rusher in the draft. I do like the way they've attacked the offensive line or the defensive line through free agency and and, and through trading for Buckner. So. I just think that's the cycle they're sort of locked in now with, with the pass rusher. 
Yeah, they, they get that guy in the open market. Right. They're free agents. Uh, Justin Houston, Janiko Autry, and Al-Kadeen Mohamed um, are the Colts' defensive ends who will be free agents, of course, themselves as well. Uh, they brought in Houston. They brought in Autry as free agents. Uh, I think Muhammad was an undrafted rookie that they uh, they brought in. I don't know if he was in their camp the entire summer or uh, or that entire fall, um, but I, I I am pretty sure he was an undrafted free agent and has come in and, and played pretty well. I, I I remember especially him chasing down Lamar Jackson this past year. That was that was a really impressive sack that he had that just sticks out in my mind. So. Um, you look at those three, and I, I, I think we, we discussed this before, that we think maybe the Colts bring two of them back, but it's hard to pick exactly which two. Um, and, of course, it depends on which other guys they might have interest in on, on this list. And, and in addition to, uh, uh, Mike, the guys that you mentioned, um, the Bengals' Carl Lawson, uh, he turns 26 in June. Um, he's had 20 sacks over his four NFL season, which is pretty good. Um, Jadavion Clowney, who... The Colts could have gotten last year, and they didn't get him. Um, I, I, I would be hesitant to say that they go they go for Clowney. Um, and just based on Clowney's past, I think he thinks that he's worth more than he is to most NFL teams. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's changed his tune this year. Who knows? Uh, Ngakwe's there. Melvin Ingram, who's a 32-year-old. He's a little bit older than some of these other guys. Um, Joe, I think one of the most interesting names here that you have is uh, New Orleans' Trey Hendrickson. Um, because as we mentioned earlier, the uh, the Saints' salary cap situation is awful. I mean, they're going to have to pick which guys they want to bring in or want to keep. But Hendrickson had 13 and a half sacks in 2020, his first year as a full time starter in 15 starts. Um, so so he he had his best year in the NFL in the best possible time in his last year of his contract, and it's likely someone's going to give him a pretty good look, a pretty good contract. I think that's a name the Colts fans could be watching out for, Trey Hendrickson. Yeah, he's an exciting player. Um, he was a mid-round draft pick. PFF has graded him as kind of a mid-level pass and run defender over his four years. So it, it, it always kind of scares you when a player is so-so throughout his career and then that contract year he kind of turns it on. Is it really worth breaking the bank for this guy? We'll see how much he demands in free agency. I kind of feel the same way about Carl Lawson. This was her his first year as a full-time starter, um, and he's never hit double-digit sacks in his career. So... Both of those guys, although Robert Mathis seems to be a big fan of Carl Lawson on Twitter. Hmm. But uh, both those guys are kind of those younger players who have the talent. They've shown they can get to the quarterback, but they haven't quite put it together for multiple seasons. So it does kind of scare me in that sense of are they really worth the investment? One guy that's kind of under the radar that reminds me of Justin Houston's situation a couple years ago was Melvin Ingram. Um he's been a really good pass rusher over the second half of his career. Injuries really hampered him last year. Uh, He missed LA's final six games. He appeared in just seven in 2020, which was kind of similar to Justin Houston's situation. He had dealt with injuries leading up to his time with the Colts and has actually been very durable with Indianapolis. So I think Melvin Ingram could be a guy who doesn't demand a ton on the open market because of all the other players uh, at his position available in his age. He's going to turn 32 in April. But he's a guy who can still get after the quarterback in the three previous seasons to 2020. Um, he had over, I believe, 70 pressures. Uh, PFF graded him quite highly in getting after the quarterback. So Melvin Ingram is a guy who, to me who the Colts can bring in on maybe a two-year deal, about 10 to $12 million per year, and he can provide the same kind of pass rush, if healthy, that Houston has over the past couple of years. I wonder what kind of a deal or how much the guy's got in the tank with Orion Kerrigan. 
Uh, I mean, he's certainly on the downside of his career, but he would be a guy that wouldn't command, I wouldn't think, a monster contract. Can he, can he still get to the quarterback? Boiler up. Boiler up. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. I, I like if you're if you're going back and forth between Ryan Kerrigan and Justin Houston. I, I think, like I, I would think, Mike, you would lean Justin Houston because he's been here. He has a ton of respect in the locker room. So I, I like that's that that's kind of where I'm coming at this. Like, who, who's better than Houston right now out, out of this list? And I don't think Kerrigan's better than Houston out of this list. So I, I think the Colts will be able to re-sign if they want Justin Houston. So I I, I mean that's kind of how. I, I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm stupid. Which is. Which is entirely possible. But um, would, I, I you, just, would you? After the way, again, he, he's been their best pass rusher the last two years with sacks and pressures and quarterback yeah. hits. But but th- there were times last year where he was simply was not a factor. There were like four or five games where he just didn't show up. Would you be comfortable giving him another two year, twenty three million dollar contract or? Would you need to have him come back at something less? Because he, he's not—he to me, he's a guy that won't get. I don't think he'll get on the open market. Right. Maybe what the Colts would offer him. Right. I I don't know about two years twenty three, maybe two years eighteen. Uh, but but uh, that that's again, I don't know. Yeah, so, I don't think the Colts two year later two years later are going to offer them the same contract they did a couple of years ago because of, you know, guys get older, their downward trajectory throughout their career. Um, I'm almost in the camp of the Colts should take some of the top older pass rushers and do a deal similar to what they did with Houston, where it's maybe a two-year, $30 million deal. You Because I think the Colts are close to a point where you kind of need to go all in soon and try and get a Super Bowl. If not this year, next year, or else you know, parts of that roster are going to start chipping away and you can't pay everybody. Um, so I think it might be worth it to give a J.J. Watt a two-year, $34 million deal and just try and go after it. Uh, well, I mean, he, if you're going to pay he, Houston... You want J.J. Watt here, don't you? I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. How about, how about I, putting um, maybe like a GoFundMe? That would probably be a cap violation, but uh, I just, I tell you... <laughs> I, I think that's the, the third most important position on a roster is an edge pass rusher. I just don't know if they would pay that much for that guy. I, I Maybe they will, but I just don't know that they w- w- will loosen to put purse strings that much. Well, and I want to ask you guys this question. How much confidence do you sense from the Colts that they have in a, a – um, Banigou and uh, uh, Komoko Ture right now because those are their two second round picks that they've invested. Uh, they're athletic, they've shown flashes, but they haven't been relied on as full time starters. Scale of one to ten, where would you put the Colts' confidence level if they don't resign any of these guys for one of those two, Banigou or Ture, or maybe they split the time, but one of those two guys to handle one of your defensive end spots? Three. I was going to say two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and that's not all, high, and that's all on Ture. I mean, there's absolutely no confidence in Banigou. Did he? He didn't play last year, did he? Or right. sparingly. And Ture, he was a healthy scratch half the year, right. more than half the year. And, and, and Ture, it's it's sort of unfair to judge him last year because he was coming off of that awful ankle injury. I don't think you ever get back to where he was. You you simply cannot go into 2021 saying you know. Kamoko Torrey is going to be our pass rusher. You can't do it. 
uh, you know, best best case, he's your complimentary guy. Uh, no, you you've got to move forward with the idea that your your number one edge pass rusher isn't here unless it's Justin Houston. And also, well, and it's yeah, crazy because if uh, Torrey does, you know, show the potential we've seen him in the past and have a good year in twenty twenty one. Because of his injury, which basically took two years from him, he's going to be a free agent next year. Uh, so then you have to pay him or franchise him or do something with him too. I'm sure that kind of plays into it. Even if these young guys do work out, their contracts, especially Therese, are going to be up soon. No doubt you got to get after the quarterback. And the Colts can certainly improve in that facet. They have plenty of options to do so this offseason, whether it is in a free agent or in the draft as well. We've talked about quarterback. We've talked about left tackle. We've talked about edge rushers the past couple weeks here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Certainly don't have to talk about quarterback anymore as we move forward. But next week, February 25th, the franchise tag window will have been opened by then. So maybe the Colts just blow all of our minds and franchise someone, though we seriously doubt it. But we can update you from news around the league as well. We'll also explore the free agent cornerback class. As Mike has said earlier, we think the Colts do want to bring Xavier Rhodes back another year. They signed him on a one-year prove-it deal, and he proved it. He belonged. He was a cornerback. He was a number one cornerback. Played pretty darn well. But will he be able to come back? Will the Colts give him the money he's looking for? Will anybody give him the money he's looking for? And will he just come back on what he can get? We will see in this very unique NFL offseason. Follow us online on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for updates throughout the week. I am at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at mchapel51. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. We thank you so much for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Subscribe, get us delivered to your podcast listening device week after week, and we will see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.